Take a look behind the curtain with a real whistleblower and American patriot. Prepare to embrace the uncomfortable truth because this program has no time for comforting lies. Here is civil liberties enthusiast, Second Amendment defender, and recovering FBI agent, Kyle Serafin. Hello, my friends. Welcome to the Kyle Serafin Show. Today is Monday. It is December 4th. And I'm in kind of an Adventy mood. It was the first Sunday of Advent. We light the purple candle. And so, I don't know. Today, I, I got into this idea that we were going to talk about something that's kind of strange, a little bit uh, a little bit out of the news, but it is always news, particularly in this time of year. And the question is this. How does the Motion Picture Association of America and men adopting and, and creating in vitro babies, how are they related? That was something that's come up. My wife and I had this interesting discussion in the kitchen yesterday, and that is the the genesis of today's show, which might get us canceled from everyone except the sponsors that we have picked up. I think many of you will appreciate that. Um, th- there might be a little bit risk of, uh, of talking about this kind of stuff, which is pretty sad, even on Rumble. So we'll find out. We're going to test the limits of what their free speech platform has to say about it. But essentially, my, my argument is this. The MPAA, which dates back to 1922... When that was created and when it was eventually adopted into widespread use in 1968, they they came up with a rating system that would help parents decide what was appropriate to show their children. The fact that we did that then told us that we focused on children as the end goal, that children were the end result. And today we are completely upside down where adults are the focus and what is best for adults is the reason why people do things. And that, that flip in our cultural values has resulted in a objectively worse scenario for children, whether it be child trafficking at the border or whether it be the exploitation of the unborn, um, our focus on abortion in this culture. So this is a cultural show today. It's going to be a little bit spicy, and I think you guys will really appreciate it. Um, or you will never watch the show again, and that is okay, too. If you are watching anywhere other than rumble.com slash Seraphin, you are missing out on the live chat. I scrolled up and, and read something, and then as I looked over, I noticed that I had paused the chat for a few seconds, and there were over 99 chat uh, comments that were sitting in there. So it's just flying through. If you're not joining us on rumble.com slash Seraphin, you are missing out on an outstanding community of people that will be discussing both the show and whatever else you guys get into today. Uh, I'm going to give you some things to think about. So I appreciate all of you being there. If you're there, go ahead and hit the like button. Make sure you move this up in the leaderboard. Uh, let them know that you enjoyed this content. If you do, <laughs> if you don't, then you can give us a dislike too. I guess there's a couple of feds that always want to do that. So without too much further ado, I want to say thanks to our sponsor that allows us to do things like this that bring us programming unafraid and uh, willing to push through in this time of year. CatholicVote.org. Go to CatholicVote.org. We will do some, over the next couple days, we're going to be starting to highlight all of those those, uh, Catholic heroes of the year that Catholic Vote has called out, of which I am in one of the brackets. It is a Sweet 16 style thing. We'll show you those again. We're going to do kind of a little profile on each one of them. I want you guys to know who's in the running, mostly because there are some fantastic people that are being highlighted by CatholicVote.org. Again, you can go through and get the loop every single day, which you should. They've covered some of these stories. You can even see as Ryan is uh, scrolling on there, they're talking about a uh, pro-life clinic. Um, Check them out. And you can also give to them on the top right-hand side of the website. It's a little green button there. It is the only one that's highlighted. You can either do a monthly or a one-time donation if you want to support Catholic Vote. You don't have to be Catholic. You're not making a donation to a church. This is an organization of lay people, which is to say non-ordained, non-clerical. They are not part of the Catholic clergy. They are simply Catholic people that want better things in this world. And they are in the fight for faith, family, and freedom, all things that are very important to me as a lay Catholic person, someone who goes to that church, but uh, I'm not affiliated with the Catholic church in any way. Many of you guys know that. All right. So, so let's get right into it. First of all, there's this ongoing sort of meme culture on the web. It's all over the place on Twitter. It's on other social medias like Instagram and so on. And everybody always asks, how did you get radicalized? Now we've taken that Those of us that are in this, whether you're a radical traditional Catholic, whether you're a militia violent extremist, according to the FBI, because you have a Betsy Ross flag on the wall like we do, uh, whether you just love America and the way that America used to be. The idea is, is that somehow because you like things the way they were 20, 30, 50, 80 years ago, maybe all of human history until just a few minutes ago, that you're somehow a radical. And so I think the political right has sort of adopted that amusing sort of idea that you're a radical now because you like things the way they were and the way that they always have been. And I found this in my feed. I think I'll share it with you. 
You guys remember that ultimate radical, Mr. Mr. Rogers? He was a pretty radical guy. He radicalized a lot of us. This is a fun little meme video. If you guys are not watching this, what you're missing is the question is, who radicalized you? It's that sort of NPC, the non-player character. It's a grayed out sort of generic leftist asking the classic Nordic man, the guy with the blonde beard and the and the hair. And, uh, and this is the response. Ryan, if you want to play, that's going to be video number two. Let's run this thing real quick. And so is mine. Boys are boys from the beginning. If you were born a boy, you stay a boy. Girls are girls right from the start. If you were born a girl, you stay a girl and grow up to be a lady. Everybody's fancy. Everybody's fine. Your body's fancy. And so is mine. Only girls can be the mommies. Only boys can be the daddies. Yes, sir. Everybody's fancy. Everybody's fine. Your body's fancy. And so. And so is mine. There it is. Everybody's fancy and everybody's fine. It's just simple stuff. It's basic biology. We didn't need to get so complicated. We didn't need to try to pretend like we were gods. But that is what human beings do. Uh, in many ways, this is a modern-day sort of parable. It's the story of the Tower of Babel, when man tries to, to reach the peaks that God exists in. Then uh, you get to experience sort of the humility of being a human at a much lower level. That's kind of what I think is going on here. Let's start right into the history lesson. Let's just talk about the MPAA. I don't know why this was the thing that I was inspired to, to bring up when I was talking to my wife. We were talking about uh, gay men either creating or adopting children, and this is where my mind went. So go ahead and pull up that first topic there, Ryan. We're going to get into it. This is just Wikipedia. There's nothing crazy about this, folks. These are the ratings. Now, many of you guys are familiar with them, and I think that over the years, we've actually gotten really bad about keeping them. They're not what they used to be. They have actually moved a lot, and they have allowed many more things under G and PG and PG-13 than used to be allowed, but that's okay. The, generally speaking, G was supposed to be for all ages, That there, and this is literally listed, all ages admitted, nothing would offend parents for viewing by children. That means that there actually is a code, there actually used to be a code, uh, it goes back Pre-1968, it was called the Hayes Code of what you may show and what you are advised not to show. And that's the way this was originally set up. And the reason that the MPAA came up with a Hayes Code and eventually came up with the MPAA guidelines was that they were under threat of censorship by the federal government. They said, if you're going to show smut, if you're going to show things without any warnings, then we're going to start censoring you. And the... Folks in Hollywood said, well, we'd rather do it ourselves. We would rather take it on the burden and we would rather create an objective standard so as not to have children in and and to uh, add moral depravity into the visual, you know, sort of uh, learning centers of these little human sponges that we call children. And so we will give them an objective rating of what's out there. And then from there, parents will make the decision and, and, and that allows you to go in and you can actually take the PG rating says that parental guidance is suggested. It's not required. PG-13 says that uh, you should be checking out. And then R actually says restricted unless you bring your parent. Now, you can be uh, one of those parents who brings your young child to the Terminator or aliens. <laughs> like my wife tells me she saw at a very young age uh, on their TV. She came in and, you know, they sat her down and she watched the scariest movies that ever existed in the 80s and the 90s. And you're allowed to do that. But that's the parent's choice. That's the idea, is that the, the parent would be empowered with this information. PG was supposed to be, the guidance was encouraged. There was supposed to be some stuff that may not be appropriate for young children. We sort of just now, I think, if you guys think the way I do, that G and PG and even PG-13 is like, eh, whatever. Can my five-year-old watch PG-13? Probably shouldn't. It's probably not great. Then again, many of your households, we've sort of slipped in some of our standards is the way that we talk and the way that things are because of the, the internet and the, and the speed at which communication happens. I think kids grow up faster because of we let them grow up faster. All that being said, PG was something that meant something, PG-13, and then R. But the things that I'm most interested in are the, the more explicit stuff, which anybody who knows, having lived in the 90s, the early 2000s, and now, if you're at least 25 or 30 years old, uh, and especially those of us who are older than that, you can look into the way that the society has changed. We've changed dramatically in what we're willing to tolerate and what is actually um, considered decent in, in open society. 
And so there used to be a rating that was called X. You remember X? That was the thing that if you were a young boy in your teens that you were trying to figure out if you could get an X-rated movie. Um, I remember going to a house party when I was in high school and they played, I think Debbie Does Dallas or something, which was horrible. It was a horrible movie. It was it was grainy and difficult to watch. And I don't remember there being a plot line. I just remember it being in the background and thinking like, what a what a just an indication of depravity that this house party was playing this. And they used to have that X rating. And then it turns out that the MPA actually created something that was called NC-17. Some of you will remember that switchover. It actually happened in 1990. I didn't know it at the time that it switched over. But I knew that they were somehow you know, the same, but they were distinctly different. And, and the reason was essentially that the MPA did not have a trademark or a copyright on the X rating. The pornographic industry took that over. And so they became, uh, you know, how do we brand it in our own way? And they came up with a brand of NC-17, which was that no child admitted under the age of 17. That was a hard restriction. You couldn't get in parent or otherwise. So there, there were these standards that existed. And they exist less and less. I was watching a, uh, a film, uh, you know, a show is called, I think, The Justice League Pets. Somebody will correct me in the chat, maybe. There was a, the, uh, this, uh, it's got The Rock in it. It's, I think it sounded like Chris, uh, Kevin Hart maybe was in there. There's a number of different sort of big name film actors that had done this. Batman and Superman and all these other, Aquaman and stuff like that. And uh, uh, what was her name? Um, the Lady with the Lasso. What's The Lady with the Lasso? Why can I not think of her name? Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman. There you go. Um, and all, so all the superheroes, and they end up with these pets. And it's like, how did they get these pets? They got these pets because of Super Dog, this dog named Crypto, which is right up your alley, Ryan. I know you're a crypto guy. <laughs> this was actually <laughs> about the planet Krypton. But in any case, all these uh, these these super pets or whatever, one of them was a turtle, and the turtle would keep swearing, which was really, really bizarre for a PG-13. Now, even bleeping out the swear word, I would think, would be kind of a movement in the standards. We're seeing them move. Objectively, the, the 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 turtle would say, I can't see. Hold on. I wonder if I have the swearing here. Do we have it? I think I've got it right here. It says, uh, you know, I can't see. And you say it over. It doesn't matter. I still can't see. And so we even know what the bleep is supposed to be. Even kids know in context what that is supposed to be, that there's a swear word there. And even that might be over. And it actually was showing on the subtitles that it was bleeped out. All that's being said is there's this erosion of standards. And we're we're more and more OK with sort of using children in the culture war, we're using children as not the goal of protection, but we're using them in a way that they are actually an accessory. They're just, they're sort of in the way, they're a tool that is being used either by the political left, the political right, and uh, and they're being manipulated in a way that I think is really disgusting and dangerous. I'm going to show you something. That's, I, my wife slipped this under the door. This is bizarre, and this is going to get where we're going here. This is a magazine that we get at our house for kids. It's called High Five. You guys may have seen this before. If you have little kids, you've probably seen it. it. It's done by Highlights. It's a kid's magazine. And this is one of those things that when you see it, you can't unsee it. As parents, we're always on the lookout for things that are inappropriate for our kids, even in childhood magazines. Look at this. It's a story under fiction. It's an easy reader for young kids to learn how to read. One sock, two socks. It's a story about missing socks. And if you look on the wall where the where the dad is sitting there with his two little kids and their, you know, decidedly, you know, darker skinned parents, there's two dads sitting in a framed photograph right up here. Okay. Let's see if we can get this thing to focus. Yeah, we can see it. Like, why? Why would we need this? And how does that even how did that become a thing where a child's magazine like High Five and Highlights would show that? You know, this is the same thing as putting something like that in like Ranger Rick, which I remember reading when I was a little kid. It's so. It's like they're trying to reinforce their own bad behavior. And that's like they've made really bad decisions, so they need to soften the blow so the kids don't get picked on because of their bad decision making. We're not. In, we're not in a place where the kid is the focus. The focus is what the kid brings to the adult. And I, I was able to just type in a couple of different search terms, and we came up with this article, which goes back to 1999. Now, 24, almost 25 years ago, and I'm going to just kind of walk you guys through a little bit of a weird history here. Um, before we pull that up, and, I, and and you were correct pulling that up, Ryan, that's my fault. Let me let me pull up something that made me realize that this was connected. If you'll pull up the article from Collider, this is a woman named Lisa Laman, November 3rd of 2023. This was very current. What I typed in was MPAA, um, and then I said something to the effect of, you know, get rid of it or, or delete or it's obsolete. And what I got was, of course... Collider.com with this Lisa Laman character says it's time to put the MPAA rating system out of its misery. 
It's an outdated dinosaur for eras. It's time that we put it out to pasture, and you guys are never going to believe why that would be. It's not appropriate to have the MPA rating system, which was designed to protect children because in July of 2023, this year, Ira Sachs put out a film called Passages, which has two extended sequences depicting explicit on-screen sex between two men, which got it an NC-17 MPAA rating. And that rating means that most theaters won't carry it. And many stores won't carry physical copies of it on their shelves. Oh, you mean like police state? That's interesting. Um, in, it, in essence, the NC-17 rating is a death sentence for many movies. This is her writing here. Hence why it's so avoided by features. And what her argument is, is that that this film is too taboo because it shows two explicit gay scenes of two men having gay sex. And that means that it's really, really bad for queer people. That it's created a problem and a burden on people who are queer or queer-aligned or whatever the heck that means. She said, there's the fact that queerness and female sexual pleasure is also something that irks the MPAA board and it inspires movies to get MC-17. So anything that has this, it, it turns out it's actually just inappropriate sexual explicit material. <laughs> there's, a, there's a number of lists. This article is actually worth your time, folks. If you actually, maybe we'll put it out there. Maybe I'll tweet it out there because it's actually really good. It says it's an obvious example of discrimination against queer people and women making the MPA ratings board a worrisome creation. It's a worrisome action. It's bigoted. It's homophobic. And therefore, it should go. It completely ignores the entire reason why that thing exists. So let's go back to 1999 here. Uh, before we dig into that topic, let's do one more of our sponsors. Let's talk about someone who has been with us and probably probably will not cancel us based on this sort of thing. Our friends over at Patriot Coolers. I've got one sitting on the desk right now. I've got it filled with stickers. My wife hates that I do this, but I put on some stickers from the Garrett O'Boyle sweatshop. If you guys haven't seen these, the last line, stub sacks, the upside down American flag, they're all out there, including one that I don't actually always get, but it is uh, the Joker. Patriot Coolers. Com. Use promo code Kyle, get you 10% off. They are a fantastic company. We use them for my daughter's birthday. We used our our, uh, our big cooler right there, the 50 quart, took it out, filled it full of ice. It works just like any other rotomotive cooler, except it says Patriot on the side instead of Yeti or Lifetime or something like that. And they support the Kyle Serafin Show and they support military veterans. They've got values that are more aligned with what you are most interested in. Um, good company, great tool. I'll tell you this too. The feet, the rubber stoppers on the feet on those things. I've got a Yeti as well, and I've been able to move that thing around on on uh, picnic tables and stuff. I actually thought that I had this thing weighing down way harder than it actually was when I tried to pick it up because I was dragging it laterally and it wouldn't move. I mean, the t the feet gripped into the uh, the picnic table we had it on so well that it wouldn't actually allow it to even come up until I lifted it straight up first to be able to break that sort of tension. Really nice if you want something to stay put and be sturdy and stable, and it is very well designed. So check out patriotcoolers.com. Use that promo code Kyle. We'll get you those 10% off. Free shipping over 50 bucks. That's going to be on all the, different, um, all the different cooler products. Makes a great Christmas present. This is the season for that sort of thing. If you guys are, and it'll last you for a very long time. The really nice thing is too, all of their hardware is easily replaceable. You can actually buy replacement hardware should you wear out the things like the rubber, they may not wear out for a very long time, I imagine, just based on the, the the durability of the product in general. But you can always replace them, which is kind of nice. It's thoughtful. You don't have to go replace everything because something like a hinge died out on you. And if you've ever dealt with that on like a cheaper Coleman or something like that, you know what I'm talking about. All right, 1999, The Guardian. I found this article very interesting. Gay couple pays for surrogate mom's twins. It was the only option left, they say, braving criticism from uh, adoption workers and family campaigners. So the interesting thing here are, are several fold. Number one, um, they're braving criticism, which means that The Guardian is already supporting this particular type of behavior. It says the gay couple expecting twins by an American surrogate yesterday brushed aside criticisms of their decision to pay a family, to pay to create a family. Here's part one. These families always either have a lot of money or a lot of uh, resources. This particular group, these two men, a person named Barry and a person named Tony, Barlow and DeWitt, um, they they spent 200,000 pounds to bypass British laws. Notice this also. They're bypassing the British laws, and where do they go? They go to a third world nation. They go to the United States in order to do that. We're going to find that there's examples of this happening in other places as well over time. They're a millionaire gay couple who've been together for 11 years, and they live in a Grecian bungalow. They provided sperm to fertilize four different donor eggs to each and then had them implanted in a woman named Rosalind Bellamy, who was a married mother of, with four sons. The twins are already named, even though this was in September and the babies weren't due until uh, December. 
Aspen and Saffron, they were born in California, where the couple also have a home, and then they will be brought to Britain after the year, the surrogacy deal, which was revealed in Women's Own Weekly. Talk about that, Women's Own Magazine. It's like literally the opposite of what women are doing. There's so many spaces that women have basically cut out their own value for this sort of agenda. It drew criticism from adoption workers and so on and so forth. There's a whole British agency on adoption and fostering saying that there was a considerable evidence that single people uh, and same gender relationships may be able to make really good families. And so why don't we try it out? Uh, however, this is the real key that doesn't get talked about nearly enough. And we've sort of just bypassed this as part of the argument. Removing a child from the mother can have a great impact because there is a unique bond that is formed between them. Anyone who has a child and is a father, any mother knows that there is a difference between moms and dads. There's always been a difference between moms and dads. And it's an important difference. I made a, a show a couple of weeks back that got a, a comment from my own father. And uh, I said something to the effect of, is like, I'm, I'm a pretty good dad, but I'm a terrible mother. And he kind of bristled at that. And he said, you know, when my when your mom wasn't around, that uh, I was able to maintain the household and everything ran the same way. We had all the same things happening. I say that there's a lot more chaos when I'm running around. And every dad is going to be able to execute household chores at a different level. Some of them are better than others. Some of them are going to be more on track. Some of them know the schedule better. I know when my kids go and take naps, but I don't necessarily know what they always have for lunch because I may be working or I'm not around. Anyway, long and short of it is we all have sort of different degrees of it. But I will, I will stand on my statement that the greatest dad in the world is also a terrible mom because mothers are different because mothers have a different skill set. They have a different set of just physiologically, they're different. Even an infant knows the difference between laying on her mother or his mother's chest and and father's. It's different. It feels different, regardless of what uh, Pete Buttigieg and, and uh, Chastain Buttigieg want you to believe. There is a massive difference, and the babies know it. And all of this stuff kind of leads me to this sort of disgusting thing that we've left out that it's not about the people. Every single thing in this article is talking about whether or not these gay men can get Aspen and Sage. Is that what the names are? That's really obnoxious too, isn't it? Aspen and Saffron, sorry. Yeah. They really need to get these babies home so that they can live their best life. And it's about what that child is going to bring to the adult and very little about what the adults are bringing to the child's life. Uh, it says... You've got some people here from a right-wing family group called Family Focus says that they have no right to be parents. Biologically, that's true. Historically, that's always been the case. There was no way for that to happen. Uh, there's more and more evidence that homosexual parenting can have a negative impact on children. This is going back 1999. You could actually say those things back then. Um, and they made the, the, the claim that it's a human right for a child to be brought up by a male and a female. But the couple is purchasing and deliberately orphaning the child from their mother. I have not heard that term before. Orphaning a child from their mother. Isn't that something we should be thinking about? Isn't it about what the children are about? Isn't that the reason why we used to have ratings and why they want to get rid of it? Because they've moved the focus. They've completely moved the focus away. Now, go forward 10 years. We're going to start with a video that happens 10 years later. Now, between 1999 and 2010, a, a tectonic shift happened in the world, especially Western society. And this has moved from being a novel idea where people could criticize it in a meaningful way to where it's celebrated in open. And we're going to play this video real quick. This is video number one, Ryan. Let's go ahead and play this. I'm going to cut it off at some point, folks. I don't know how long we're going to run it, but I want you to get to see just how this story is covered. Then we'll go ahead and read some articles about it as well from the Daily Mirror. So let's go ahead and do video number one. Meet uh, Adam Miller and, uh, and Kyle Bond. Known each other seven years. Been going out together how long? And just over two, two years. And he had a civil partnership uh, earlier earlier this year. Is yeah. that right? So now you want to start the family. But the way the way you do it is going to, you know, it's, there's an element of controversy in a civil partnership at the best of times. Of but you, you really seem to be trying to uh, to push the push the envelope as far as controversy is <laughs> concerned. Tell us what you're going to do. What you're planning to do? Well, basically, um, we've decided. You know, we've been together a while now. We've just you know become recently married. And we've just decided that it's time that we start a family. You know, we can provide a good upbringing for a child right. and as much love as a straight. But you don't want you don't want any old baby though. Oh no, point. we don't do anything by half. So. <laughs> because well, lots of people would maybe suggest adopting or fostering, but of actually course. you're taking this one step further. So yeah. we, we did look into fostering, yeah. and we've always wanted our biological children, and we've always wanted them to look like us, so we look like a, a proper family. So what we've done is we're going to have a surrogate, obviously, to incubate our baby, so to speak because obviously we haven't got a womb or anything. Yeah. 
And we're going to have a, a friend of mine that's donating her eggs. So she's going to give us some eggs to use. Um, and then basically, we're going to have the baby made um, okay. through IVF. And Is a boy or girl okay for you? Um, well, we're picking a boy first. But you can't do that, can you? The, you, you, just, you, you, get, you get what you are lucky enough to get, a boy or a girl. Why specify a boy? Well, that's the thing you see. Over in Los Angeles, where we're having the treatment done, we can actually pick sex. So we're going to sex select a boy first. Then we're going to have a girl after. And then we're going to have twins. Yeah. And if you got, are you going to be telling me you want a, a specific hair colour or eye colour now? Yeah, we're going to go for a baby boy. And at the moment, the name's Preston, but that could change so many times. Right. But... Um, it's going to have dark hair and blue eyes. Now, that is only, you know, if that's ha yeah. what happens. It's not 100% guaranteed at all. Mm. But you know, that's, that's what we would prefer because we want the children to look like us so we, that we look like a complete family. So well, they'll be biologically related to us and then they will look like us so we will look like a complete family. And that's all the right, sort that's, of thing that we want to do. That's pretty good right about there. So a couple things that are being said in the chat at this exact moment. Number one, uh, you guys also honed in on the fact that the baby will be made and be incubated. And this is not... This is not the way that we talk about children. Uh, also, that we are going to select. We're going to select the sex. They're going to they're going to go and have in vitro fertilization. They're going to fertilize a number of eggs with their sperm, and they're going to be able to create these uh, these embryos, and then they're going to select based on sex, which means that we're going to be casting some of them off. That's also interesting. There's a there's a real dark sort of cost to IVF. And anybody who's gone and done any of the looking on this, I think Live Action does really good. And uh, Abolition Rising does a good talk on this as well. What they're talking about uh, has nothing to do with a child. It has nothing to do about, about providing a, a wonderful home for a child that needs it. They're going to create an accessory. An accessory that looks and makes them look like a proper family. Their words, not mine. They want to select a boy first, because that's what they're most interested in. And I want you to think about every time that you've ever had a conversation with your friends and family who have children, especially a pregnant wife. When that happens, the question is, do you want a boy or a girl? And the correct answer, you know, I would prefer this. I would prefer that our, our, our daughters have a brother. I would prefer, there's all kinds of little instincts on it. But at the end of the day, if you really had to nail down almost any parent down, I've never heard anybody really say, I'm going to be disappointed if I have one or the other. The answer is always, I want a healthy baby. That's the correct answer. If you don't know what the correct answer is and you have a pregnant spouse right now and you guys haven't found out the sex of your baby, that's the correct, that's the correct answer. I want a healthy baby. The end. That's what you should be aiming for. That's what your hope is. That's what your prayer is. And even if not, we had a, a very interesting uh, experience going through our OBGYN where they were asking us about the, the prenatal screening they do. They do all these screenings that they can charge you for, so they love the idea of it. And they were asking my wife, and she was like, well, you know, what, why is it important? And they're like, well, you can make a decision about the pregnancy if you find out that the baby may have some defects. And she's like, what sort of decisions? And they're really, really hesitant to say, well, you could, they're like, oh, you could, you could terminate the pregnancy. She was like, you're asking me if I'm going to select my child, and if my child is not healthy, that I'm going to have an abortion. Is that what you're offering? And they're like, they're very uncomfortable about it because they know how ridiculous that sounds from 20 years ago. Today, it sounds normal to people, but even 20 years ago, that would have been absurd. And so. I think we may have had the screenings on our first daughter. I don't because we didn't know any better what what was being offered or why, and that didn't happen after that. We didn't do it again because why? Well, like, what am I going to do with this information? Nothing. We're going to have a baby, and then we're going to love her or him and take care of them. And now we have four. And the other thing that's really interesting, and we're going to show you a video a little bit later on. I find that people who are selecting and creating and making a baby. By the way, this was going to cost them a hundred thousand dollars. You want to go ahead and pull up that article here from the Daily Mirror. A uh, gay couple to spend $100,000 creating designer baby, okay? Now, when you're creating a designer baby, it's not about you. Imagine if you had to go out and buy a jacket and you were cold and you any jacket would do. In fact, Ryan, you got a, you got a, you have a sweatshirt on right now? That it, I it, might, man. It, I might. It turns show out. show you? Yeah, show, show me show me what you got going on. So there it is. You got it. You, Polar you, Bear you, Express right here. So <laughs> Ryan has a Sherpa hoodie on because it's cold. He sits, he's working in a studio, which is um, insulated less than it ought to be. And so he's got this uh, suspendable Sherpa. That would do. Would any other sweatshirt work if you were cold though, Ryan? No, I didn't cut it, man. This was it. I had to have this one. <laughs> Ryan's only in designer babies. Um, the, the fact of the matter is if you're, if you're going over function, function is, is something that keeps you warm is good enough. A baby is a baby unless you want a designer baby. And this is a fame-hungry couple, as described by the Daily Mirror, the now fame-hungry wannabe couple who appeared on Britain, Britain's Got Talent. They did a Britney Spears drag act. Oh, it always comes back to this. Oh, interesting. 
why are the drag drag people interested in babies? They had a civil ceremony in July and then immediately recruited a surrogate mother. The mother is a stunning female model pal who who's uh, giving them eggs in return only for a 2,000-pound pair of shoes, some designer shoes. The story of this is actually like one of the most nauseating things you'll ever read. And many of you probably have not heard this. And of course, this is now 13 years old. It says they went in through this uh, selection process. They also realized that sex selection was illegal in Britain. So they had to fly to a third world country and go to Los Angeles in order to create this first child. And like all designer trendies, they're very choosy. They said they were also very choosy about whose egg they would use, obviously. Uh, one woman said she would donate her eggs, but she wasn't suitable. She had hardly any nice clothes at all. And that's just not what we want. Another woman was so money-grabbing, she said she wanted a credit card from us with no limits, so she could buy whatever she wanted every single month. But we found our perfect model donor. She's a friend. She's tall. She has dark hair, blue eyes. She's intelligent and very beautiful. And we were talking about the baby one night, and she just turned around and said, go on then. You can have my eggs. And we were so happy. And she said she would donate again if we wanted to have more children. And all she wants in return is a 2,000-pound pair of Christian... Lobatine, I have no idea what this brand is, shoes. Now the kid, the guy adds that it'll cost them 100,000 pounds from their savings and earnings, but it means they can have our perfect baby. And we want a boy with dark hair and blue eyes, as you just heard, and we've been assured that that's what we can create. The way they do that is they create enough um, embryos, and then they throw out the ones they don't want. That's how that works. That's the hidden cost. They met as podium dancers. I don't know what the hell a podium dancer is, but I can imagine in Birmingham three years ago, and they've longed for a child. Really, really nauseating. Uh, also, I don't know if you want to scroll down, Ryan, if you want to show the, the woman they allowed to have the, the surrogate, also kind of funny. There's a surrogate named Jackie. You see that uh, if you go about three quarters of the way down the article, you may be able to find that on there. Uh, long and short of it is, these people Working are interested in a custom accessory. They're not interested in a baby for the sake of the baby because they're trying to provide this thing. They found this woman who's on board with it. This woman looks uh, exactly the opposite of what you would expect. <laughs> Keep going down. There she is. That's their surrogate. <laughs> She's the opposite of what the mom is going to look like. So that's even weirder. All of this stuff is truly pretty just bizarre on every level. But it continues to go because it's all about it's all about the person involved. It's not about the babies. And so we have another example of that coming from Huffington Post. I felt this this moves forward a couple years. We're going through the timeline here, folks. This is 2016. This article is from their blog with tags under gay, lesbian, and IVF in vitro fertilization. And the blog post is entitled Lesbian Designer Babies. No one has ever thought to control or limit the heterosexual production of babies. But suddenly, when the LGBT couples, by the way, they didn't have more acronyms back in 2016, 2017, um, are forced are attempting to build up a family than uh, using medical methods. Suddenly, the procedures are strictly regulated due to ethical concerns. Caitlin McGarry is the contributor of this, an economic student at Wesleyan College and a lesbian. Interestingly enough, what Caitlin seems to uh, not be paying attention to is that it has nothing to do with whether or not it's <laughs> the LGBT part of it. The part that is the concern for most people, the ethical concerns, I would imagine, is having babies raised in a household where they biologically are impossible. So here she is. She opens her article with an inflammatory statement. I hope he'll be tall, blue eyes, wavy brown hair, and smart. He has to be smart. You thought I was talking about my future husband. I'm actually describing my ideal sperm donor. Vomit in my mouth. As a gay woman who will likely use artificial insemination and or in vitro fertilization to start a family, this is the thing that's so insane. Why? What is the purpose of the family? She says, I've watched the debates regarding the ethics of designer babies over the last few years. With confusion and frustration, everybody has an opinion on whether it's morally permissible for parents to influence the genes of their offspring. But very few of these voices come from the LGBTQ parents who are overwhelmingly the, the con consumers of artificial insemination and IVF technologies. The media is especially harsh when parents' private decisions appear to enforce racist or ableist attitudes. That's even funnier to me when the left eats their own on this kind of stuff. Uh, they claim that white couples who only want white sperm donors are racist and that the parents who choose to fertilize embryos with a lower chance of developing autism are ableists and eugenics and prejudice and all this other kind of stuff. Yes, of course, all these things are kind of fun to watch them eat, eat their own on this. But the real reason comes down, I think, to the fact that there actually were laws historically and there were, there were cultural norms that were meant to protect children. They were designed to protect children. 
that the outcome was not about whether or not the lesbian couple gets to live their best life and have a designer baby or this gay couple can choose a little boy or a little girl with blue eyes and dark hair. You know, you don't get to choose those sort of things in real life. Not when you just have a child. We always laugh. Like one of my, we have a, a streak of, of red hair genes in our family. I have an uncle with red hair and, uh, and my children have come out with like kind of auburn looking hair and then they've changed and they've gotten darker, but it's always really interesting. We always laugh. We're like, it could happen. You never know. You just, it would look funny. Also, my best friend is red haired. So that's also funny. He, he kind of roots that on. Um, very weird to think that you think that you should be able to select your babies and that you would be able to basically terminate an embryo based on the way that they are biologically going to look. But it comes down to this fundamentally evil premise that it has nothing to do with the child or their best uh, existence or upbringing. I want to bring up this NPR article from about the same year, 2016 as well. It says a gay couple wins a case, gains custody of baby born to Thai surrogate. Again, leaving leaving uh, first world nations like Spain and going to third world places like Thailand or Los Angeles is the way that this is uh, is done. You have to actually leave places where they have a little shred of sanity and have a little bit more of that Western Christian idea that they're supposed to be um, not terminating babies simply because of their gender or their sex as they're born. It says the next story is one that goes about the lengths that one same-sex couple has gone to have a family. They hired a surrogate mother in Thailand who carried a donor egg that was fertilized by one of the partners in that same-sex marriage. The child was born. The mother claimed custody, even though um, she said the baby should not be raised with a gay couple. Oh, when the hold on, when the when the when the child was born, the woman who donated the egg said that the baby should not be raised by a gay couple, but she's not the biological mother. Do you see the kind of ugly nastiness this goes on? So what they did is they just left the uh, the man, one of the men from the couple, stayed in Thailand with the surrogate, because that's what's best, and hung out there with this baby, baby Carmen, and refused to come back to the UK because the egg donor was filing a, a custody claim on the child, saying that this is inappropriate. Donated the egg, maybe not knowing what couple it was going to go to. And then it got litigated in the Bangkok family court, <laughs> which made it somehow legal. And then they can bring the baby back to the UK. Like all of this stuff is truly crazy to most of us. We're going to get into IVF in just a second, but I want to play this video because this makes me want to puke. The same sort of vibes that you saw, the same sort of vibes that you saw from that British TV in 2010. Here's one from this year, the same exact sort of uh, mockery of God is what uh, Ryan just threw in the chat. And that's exactly it. Look at this. I want you to look at the eyes. If any of you have ever held your your new baby, my, my, my daughter is just over like 12 weeks old now. If my wife and I are talking about our baby, we're not talking to each other. We're looking at the baby. Why? Because that's what you do. You look at babies. You uh, You focus in. That is the purpose. That is the focus of what you're trying to do. You're trying to uh, do things that are for the child. And even if you're talking to someone else in their presence, I often find myself simply looking directly into my daughter's eyes. So watch what they are doing when they talk about this. This is video number five. This will probably make you guys want to puke in your mouth. But uh, let's roll this thing out there. Let's just see it. You tell me what you think in the chat. So this is how we chose our beautiful egg donor. Um, so we wanted her to have lovely big eyes. I wanted her to have really thick hair because I've had two hair transplants. <laughs> I wanted her to have a really wide, nice smile and just look like a kind person. Yeah, and we wanted her to be creative because we love the arts. Yeah. So how it works is you join up with an egg donor agency and you literally go through thousands. That's what Stuart That's what I did. I went through thousands, thousands, thousands. I shortlisted them, sent them to Francis and yeah. let him decide. And then we had, I had three or four in front of me and then we had a few Zoom calls with the ones that we liked, and then the yeah. first egg donor let us down. Fuming, so bad. Let us down. Yeah, fuming. And then by the third, we literally found her, and I was like, oh, she's incredible. And when we got on the Zoom call, we were like, oh, be calm, God, play it so down, don't cool. be too keen. Um, and and luckily, she said yes, and this is the result. <laughs> Look at our little accessory that we are choking out because we don't care about, we don't know how to handle babies. Because they have no idea. Because it's just, it's completely, it's completely foreign. It's totally upside down. This is not about children. It's not about children at all. Nothing about those two men holding that baby led you to believe that it was about kids. Look at the baby's eyes. The baby's just drifting off like, what am I doing? How did I end up in this, this hellish existence?
going to be pampered with a bunch of designer things, have a bunch of looks-based standards that are not, they're not natural. It's totally outside of the norms. That's really gross to me. And it makes me sad. And so, like I said, we talked about, let's talk about IVF a little bit. Let's first, uh, let's let's do a quick thanks over to our friends over at Four Patriots. You want to prepare for the coming disaster, maybe the uh, biblical plague that is coming our way for all these sort of uh, rivalings with God. If you uh, if you keep track of the uh, story of the Tower of Babel, it doesn't end real well for those who are building it. And we are clearly building it right now. You may need some survival stuff. Go to fourpatriots.com slash Kyle, fourpatriots.com slash Kyle. Find yourself some uh, some water purification, some of your stuff that you may be able to use dual purpose for both camping and RVing, but also for survival should things go sideways. Check out the survival food. Ryan, you want to click on the survival food pack. There it is. Lots of different options there. You guys can go from 72-hour survival packs. That's just for one person. Uh, or you can go all the way up to the three-month or the one-year these things are designed to last 25 years, as long as you keep them in the shade and don't put them in direct heat. It tastes better than MREs, despite some of you weirdos who like them. Um, yeah, there's a couple of you out there. I know. I keep getting messages of people like, I don't know why people want to tell me that they really love MREs. I feel like that's a that's like a character <laughs> indictment. That says something bad about you. Or maybe it says that you've been institutionalized. Uh, check out some of these really interesting products they've got on here. They've got these flashlights that are solar powered and stuff. I'll tell you what, if you've been in the dark and you've ever been in power outage, if you live in a place where you might lose power, having a backup option to be able to just see, <laughs> there's nothing weirder than being in your house and then suddenly realizing that you have no ability. You're just going to bump into your own stuff. You actually don't know your own house as well as you think you do. So anyway, go do fourpatriots.com slash Kyle, or just use the promo code Kyle if you go to their website. Check that out and uh, get yourself prepared. For, forewarned is forearmed and be prepared. You never know. Somebody asked me if I know Dave Rubin. No, I don't know Dave Rubin, but I do not support Dave Rubin having babies. Uh, my wife and I have talked about that quite a few times and it's pretty disgusting. To me, he may be a really nice man, but it's narcissism. That's what that looks like to me. It looks like narcissism. If you are getting a baby, it has nothing to do with the baby. It has to do with you. If that's what you want. You've made a lifestyle choice. The choice is, is that you have another partner and your partner is a man. Two men cannot make a baby. Mr. Rogers, can you play the Mr. Rogers one more time? It's real quick. I just like that, that video too. Let's do one more. And so is mine. Boys are boys from the beginning. If you were born a boy, you stay a boy. Girls are girls right from the start. If you were born a girl, you stay a girl and grow up to be a lady. Everybody's fancy. Everybody's fine. Your body's fancy. And so is mine. That's good right there. Only girls can be. <laughs> Only girls can be a mommy. I mean, it, look, you, you choose your partner, you choose your outcome. This seems like it's uh, it used to be known for all of human history. You didn't get an heir if you were a man who was married to a man. Or had a man as a partner. It's just the way it works. It's not that hard. It's not that hard, folks. And yet, we are now in an era where let's pull up topic number seven here real quick. If we'll get into the uh, the IVF, this is the uh, the uh, Scientific American, and so they they're sort of trying to debunk some of this stuff, but at the same time, they're also also talking about sort of the cost of what it looks like. It says a new era of designer babies may be based on overhyped science. Yeah, it's actually old science. The science is, is trial and error. It's the equivalent of if you go and have a it, – it's like the Henry VIII style. Instead of instead of getting rid of uh, each wife that provides him with not a son, he gets rid of the baby too. That's kind of the way it works. Genetic testing with IVF uh, is being marketed as a means to choose healthy embryos, despite questions about the soundness of the technology. For better or worse, genetic testing of embryos offer a potential gateway into the new era of human control over reproduction. Couples at risk of having a child with a severe or life-limiting disease, such as cystic fibrosis or Duchenne's muscular dystrophy, have used pre-implantation genetic testing for decades to select embryos created through IVF. There is an argument here that is actually... You look, the argument here is actually in favor of the child's life. And there is at least a discussion here that is reasonable. The reasonable discussion is if you had a choice between implanting an embryo that was going to uh, to have a, a negative outcome and a very difficult experience on the planet, then you've got that, you've at least got a moral foundation saying that you are looking to be what would be the best for the child, not the parent per se. The designer baby movement is like, how do we make this this child look nicest? Okay. Now, they always try to couch it, the likelihood of confronting common illnesses like heart disease or diabetes or schizophrenia and so on. And would you pass these things on? Parents-to-be can use IVF. 
along with Orchard. This is a company that they're talking about here, this this company called Orchard Biosciences, upcoming embryo screening packages to identify the healthiest of their embryos and then only implant those for pregnancy. Man, you know, if you're trying to screen out for certain genetic diseases that's going to have a, a child that doesn't that doesn't live long, there's something there. Ryan and I were talking about that offline, and we can. But there's also, if you wanted to, to screen based on whether or not you are going to be having these problems, you can actually screen a lot of these things before you marry somebody. And people used yes. to do that. That used to be the entire reason why they did blood tests. Do you guys know that? They used to do blood tests. They would say, you go out there, you go to the courthouse, and you'd have to get a blood test. And think, I think my wife and I did a blood test. They try to make sure that you are not um, immediate, immediately biologically related because once you are, we've determined that you have basically narrowed the amount of the gene pool and you increase the likelihood of certain rare recessive diseases. If you have one, you're more likely to pass it along because recessive recessive genes can only go that route. So if you are more biologically related to your spouse, if you are much closer related to them, then you in, you have that uh, higher instances of rare genetic disorders. They've actually found this in the Brits. The British population is this weird study because they brought in all these different people from Muslim-majority countries, and there tends to be a high instance of inbreeding that goes on in those populations, and they account for like a third. There's something like under 5% of the total population of Britain. I remember reading the study. I think we've covered it on the show before. They're under 5% of the overall population of Great Britain, but they account for like 33% or more of the rare genetic disorder. So that was the goal. The goal was, is you actually decide whether or not your partner is biologically compatible. And one of them was, is like, you can't be that closely related. That's why you can't marry your, your sister or your cousin. You're not supposed to. I guess some people do if you're like Angelina Jolie or whatever her name is. Um, but you're not supposed to. That's the whole goal. And the, and the reason is for the children. It's focused on, those were laws that were put in place specifically for children to make children have better outcomes. That's the opposite of what we're talking about here. In any case, what this article goes on to say is essentially that this foundation is that they really can't do all these things. So what they do is they just do it the old-fashioned way, which is you make a bunch of things, you sort out the things you like, and you just keep the ones that are good. And that is essentially what designer babies looks like. It means you are calling a soul out of the void. If you're a Catholic or you're even a most pro-life Christians, you're going to believe that life starts at conception, that the, the soul is called from the void into existence, put into this body, and then you are going to cast them aside or keep them in suspended animation forever. You notice that one of these, this, this, uh, the, the couple will talk about how the, the female was going to give them a, um, multiple eggs. They were going to have a boy first, but then after that, they would have a girl. After that, they would have a girl. So they would have multiple, uh, you know, babies and that baby would be able to be just sort of sitting in suspended animation conceived at the same time, but waiting for later. I've seen this with my own eyes. I don't want to get into the personal experience because it's not my story to tell, but there is a story in our family that is actually really tragic about the same sort of thing. And one of the two had a good outcome and one of them has a very bad outcome so far and is living a very difficult life because the parent chose an accessory child and not a child for the sake of the child, which is why it, there, there's this weird line we walk when you're a parent because having children is one of the most selfish things you can do, but at the same time, it's the most selfless thing you can do. You've basically said, I think the world needs more me, right? Ryan, you know what I'm talking about? You say, the world needs more oh, yeah. me, and so you have children. My wife and I made the decision to have four, so the world needed more of us, we thought. That's kind of what you do, but then you basically sacrifice your life for the next 18 years, making sure that those people are successful. It's a mix. It's a real interesting dynamic. That is very different than when you choose a designer baby. And I think it's really nauseating. Let's go bring up our uh, our fearless uh, Mayor Pete, gay Pete Buttigieg and his family. He says that his family deserves to be supported in response to the House Speaker's previous comment. This was his claim that uh, Mike Johnson, the new Speaker of the House here, is a real problem. And it's because he doesn't support Pete Buttigieg's family. I, I join Mike Johnson in this particular situation. Uh Here's what Pete Buttigieg says on CNN. I think we've actually even played this clip here, but I'll just read it. He said, I will admit it's a bit difficult driving the family minivan to drop our kids off at daycare, passing the dome of the Capitol, knowing that the Speaker of the House sitting under that dome doesn't even think our family ought to exist. That is not historically a strange position to hold. Biologically and, and historically, their family shouldn't exist, period. No caveat, none at all. All right. But because we are living in a world where they are going to celebrate two gay men having a child that they spend $100,000 on, not only do they have to break the laws of their country and leave their country in order to do so, it's like baby tourism. You know, the, we, we look really uh, sort of not very fondly on people that engage in what's called sex tourism. They'll, they'll leave the United States and they'll go engage where prostitution is allowed and they'll go and do that and they'll come back here. 
It's not illegal. They've broken the law in some other place. And since they're not in the United States, they're not breaking U.S. law. But it's not exactly like if your friend tells you that he likes to go whoring in, in Thailand uh, for one month out of every year. I don't know. That's probably not someone that I'm going to be wanting to associate with. I'm certainly not going to let people like that around my kids. It's the same kind of idea to me that it, it takes that sort of mentality for people in Britain to be able to have a baby. They have to actually come to the United States where our standards are lower and do not protect children in the same way. Johnson, who, who secured the speaker's gavel last month, this is going back from the beginning of last month now. This is a one-month-old article, so now two months ago. Has a history of harsh anti-gay language from his time as an attorney for a socially conservative legal group in the mid-2000s. The mid-2000s, that would have been 05, 06, 07, you know, right before they started pushing this agenda like we saw in that 2010 little article. It's just... It's very interesting to me how quickly that slippery slope has slid. It really has gone very quickly, hasn't it? From the point where people were talking about, hey, are you really removing a baby from, from his or her mother? And you are now making that child an orphan in that way to you're a bigot if you don't accept our family, which biologically can't exist and requires science and the casting off of embryos left and right. Uh, I know this is sort of a heavy topic to start a Monday on, so there's that. But um, it's interesting. He said, uh, there's another editorial that says, uh, your race, creed, sex are what you are. And while homosexuality or cross-dressing are things that you do. This is something that uh, Mike Johnson said. I totally agree with that. Look, you've made a certain choices. You could choose to ignore that particular impulse. I'm not saying you should. If you're gay, I think you should be gay. If that's what you are, do what you do. I don't need to judge you. I got enough sins of my own. But I do know that you shouldn't be bringing babies in. I know that's true. He said, this is a free country, but we don't give special protections for every person's bizarre choices. And they are statistically very, very rare, all things considered. Overwhelmingly, this is not how babies are made. In fact, even that 2016 article from HuffPost acknowledges that the biggest consumers right now of this particular technology are not, are not heterosexual couples. They're actually homosexual couples that are stepping outside the bounds of what happens in nature. And they're doing it through science and I'm not confident it's very good. Like I said, a modern-day tower of Babel in so many ways. Let's bring up the uh, the inevitable consequence of where this goes. Because the inevitable consequence about this is that it actually ends to bigotry in the opposite direction. We've done a full swing from 1999 to 2023. Will you bring up that topic from Catholic News Agency? This story, which we, uh, we touched on briefly, was carried in the loop. So if you're not getting the loop, this is one of the things you're missing out on. A story that I think is of relevance. This is the story of Michael and Catherine Burke. They live in Southampton, Massachusetts. That's their mistake. They chose to live in a place that is so overwhelmingly left-wing that they were actually denied approval to become foster parents. They're not trying to create babies. They're foster parents. They want to be foster parents. They want to take kids who have no parents or whose parents are now uh, in some sort of dire straits where they are no longer able to provide to them, whether they be drug addicts or abusive or whatever else. And the foster care authorities denied this Catholic couple approval to become foster parents simply because they hold true to the Catholic teaching on marriage, on sex, on gender. And so now they've filed a lawsuit. He's an Iraq war veteran. He owns a small business. He's an organist for the diocese, plays organ at church. Catherine is a special education caregiver, a small business owner, and she also sings for their diocese um, in, in the churches. She's a cantor at masses. And the lawsuit, which was filed, basically said that they're a loving couple. They just want to welcome children to their home. They've experienced infertility. They've applied to become foster parents. They've gone through all the lengthy interviews, 30 hours worth of training, home assessment, health assessment, family life assessment. However, they're troubled because many of their home interview questions focus on their Catholic views about sexual orientation and gender dysphoria, which is, in fact, pretty rare, statistically, whether you like it or not. It's not the overwhelming average and is not the most common thing. And after months of interviewing and training and after years of heartbreak because they couldn't become parents on their own, they were on the verge of finally becoming parents. They were absolutely devastated to learn that the state of Massachusetts would rather let children sleep in the hallways of a hospital than let them welcome them into their home when they needed it. And that was simply because the authorities stated that according to their interviews and based on what they learned, that they would not be affirming to a child who identifies as LGBTQ, LGBTQIA. Man. We covered this about how the, the government agencies are doing the same thing. But this is where it ends. It ends with people who would otherwise offer a good home, who are only interested in this case, or I would say would are majority interested in offering. They've gone through all these hoops. Is it simply because, uh, is it about money? No, they're not, they don't seem to be particularly wealthy. They're small business owners. 
But the fact that they have traditional views about things that have been basically held for all 10,000 years that human beings have been walking around on this planet, they're the problem. Now they're the outlier. And that's the radical shift that we've seen. It used to be about us protecting children. And if you were interested in protecting children, what you would do is you would actually only have children in homes that affirm children's safety and their nutrition and that they get hugs and they're cared for and they're looked after and their education is continued. And not whether or not that we affirm some sort of like fringe sexual identity that doesn't even have any play that is still NC-17 for them to be able to carry out in real life. Because the kids that we're talking about being adopted are going to be all under the age of 18 because they age out of the system at that point. And that's something. It's pretty crazy. And it also leads to awful and immoral positions like this one from video four. We're going to play this. If you guys don't know the story, this is the kind of stuff that my wife and I are always talking about in the background. These are the things that outrage my wife and women like her, the women that kind of hang out. We just did a birthday party for our five-year-old. She's about to turn five, my middle, my middle daughter. And um, when women get together, they talk about things like labor pains and pregnancies and how many children they have and raising children and the functions of things that go along with that. Men don't talk about that. That's not what men get around and do. Not in my experience, at least. And I've been around a lot of men for a long time and I was in the military with a bunch of men. That's not what we get around and talk about. Women talk about things that are uniquely situated towards child rearing when they are mothers. And they talk about things like this. That's why this is so horrifying. This is the kind of stuff that they share. Video number four, let's go ahead and just run it. Uh, it's a woman giving commentary. You guys are not going to believe this. Two men hired surrogate Brittany Pearson to have a baby for them. And when she was 22 weeks pregnant, they found out that she had breast cancer. So she wanted to have chemotherapy immediately and offered to deliver the baby at 25 weeks so that the baby would have a chance at survival and she could also survive and have her chemotherapy treatment. The couple did not want her to have the baby at 25 weeks, but she needed her treatment. So they told her to abort the baby. She refused to abort a perfectly healthy baby. She offered to adopt the baby. They said no. They threatened her with legal action. And so she had the baby at 25 weeks. The couple then allowed the baby to die without having any kind of medical services because they didn't want a baby with any kind of health issues that was born before 38 weeks. This is medical murder and it's legal in California. It's medical murder. California, like I said, third world nation, that's where people go to do their most absurd and disgusting things. I don't need to add any commentary on what she said. That's it. That's the story is the story. You guys probably already heard this thing. Uh, if you're paying attention, if you have not, this is the kind of stuff, like I said, my wife and I discuss on a regular basis. These are the kind of things that are out there. And uh, we're just bringing it in this show because I think it makes sense. Uh, should we leave with something a little bit lighthearted? I, I get it. That's heavy and 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 appropriately so. I just want to uh, th throw something kind of like some levity into it over the over the weekend. Uh, FBI jobs continued to put out their absurdities, and our friend FBI Panty Raid uh, made some fun commentary on this. This video is also presented with no commentary. Let's just play it because it's fun. Video number three, a little bit of lighthearted way to start off your week. Um, just think, if you are uh, physically or mentally disabled, you could also be part of the elite workforce of the FBI. Go ahead and fire it up. Video number three. The FBI is looking for the best and brightest people, and with more than 30,000 employees, not everyone is a special agent. About two-thirds of those people are what, can, are what are considered professional support staff. So those are people that don't carry guns and don't carry badges. That's Mike Gerlach, an IT specialist who has a vision impairment and says even if you have a disability, you can apply to work at the FBI. Oh, absolutely. As a matter of fact, you know, it, they are encouraged to do so. And the fact that just because you do have a disability doesn't mean that you can't do the job. Gerlich has worked at FBI headquarters in several field offices and says reasonable accommodations are provided for persons with disabilities. If you apply and you get the job within the FBI, then the FBI will supply you with the tools to do your job. There are jobs at the FBI for you. Go to www.fbijobs.gov. I'm Neil Schiff of the Bureau, and that's what's happening at the FBI this week. 
<laughs> That's what's happened at the FBI this week. Uh, all they're saying is that they comply with federal employment law, which is a requirement. But what they will also not tell you is that if you're a conservative or if you happen to vote for Trump or you think that he's the guy, that is actually incompatible with FBI service. Many of you guys already know that instinctively. That's just the way it works. That's it for today, folks. We're going to uh, wrap this thing up with a couple of thank yous. Number one, if you have not hit the like button on Rumble, this may be a somewhat controversial topic. So go ahead and let them know that you appreciated us sharing it. Give us comments. Grow if you agree, if you disagree. Um, I, I went through a sales training once where they said questions, comments, sarcastic remarks. Go ahead and leave those down in the comments, not in the chat. We'll take them and uh, maybe take a look at them for tomorrow. Um, let's do some thank yous. How about our uh, five-star reviews? If you guys are listening on Apple, on Spotify, on iHeartRadio, you can leave us a five-star review for the audio podcast. We appreciate when you do. JDub7778 said, good dude with quality contact. Entertaining, check. Valuable content, check. Decent, honest person at the helm, check. <laughs> Shock a sign. Keep rolling, Seraphin. I will do it. Thanks, J-Dub. Appreciate you guys. Uh, we're clearing it. We're coming up on 850 uh, five-star reviews. So keep keep them coming as we go towards the new year. We really appreciate you guys do it. We may not hit a thousand, but we do appreciate all of that. And uh, let's do some some uh, rumble rants here from Tack Penis. Says, you know who else doesn't like MREs? Gay dudes who design babies. Probably true. That's definitely true. Uh, Justice is Blonde says, uh, no, Pete, you don't deserve anything. You either earn it or it's given to you by grace. You are owed nothing. And P. Sturgis with a last-minute comment saying... I'm grateful for all the work you do to keep us informed. From now on, my rants will be in memory of my mom and dad. Rest in peace, Bonnie and Paul, the vax that killed them. Man, that's tough news. Um, yeah, well, rest in peace to both of your parents. I'm sorry that they that your family's going through that, especially at this time of year. I feel like it's one of the time of year when when death is particularly hard for us to, to deal with. So uh, that being said, we're celebrating life and the life and the birth of Christ and uh, maybe the birth of babies. So maybe this Advent, maybe as we are in the Christmas season, we can remember that it was about the coming of God to man, and most importantly, he came in the form of a child, a defenseless child, because our society was literally built up in, in the Christian tradition, in the Western tradition, to defend and protect children. That's the message that I took away from this sort of thing. That's what I thought about when I was putting this together. I hope that means something to you. Uh, we do appreciate all of you guys, and we really will look forward to seeing you again tomorrow. Go out there in the world. Have a great day. Be safe. God bless you. I'll talk to you in the morning. Thanks for listening to the Kyle Serafin Show, streamed live weekdays on rumble.com slash Kyle Serafin. Follow Kyle on Twitter, Truth Social, and Instagram at Kyle Serafin.